Hi, I'm Jason Jessup, and I'm the CEO of Magna Mining. Magna is a Sudbury-focused nickel-copper PGM exploration development company with two significant assets here in Sudbury. Uh, good to see you again, Jason. Um, I think we saw you back in August. Had a good session uh, with yourself and Merlin. Um, got into the weeds a bit. Now, uh, three key takeaways there were um, continued exploration program this year. Um, quite a big program. Um, so update on sort of tolling uh, and you know, how you're going to kind of uh, solve that or approach that. Um, and I guess the the third aspect is um, the sort of combined economic study, et cetera. So um, let's start, if you don't mind, with the, uh, you know, wh where are you at? What have you been up to since August? Yeah, so we've been really busy. Um, we expanded the team. We, we added a COO, Jeff Hoffman, who is a, uh, a Sudbury local. He was the president of Dumas Mining. Um, so it's great to have him as part of the team. He was also a colleague at FNX Mining um, here in Sudbury in the past. Uh, we've really been focusing on on a few things. Uh, of course, exploration, which is a big part of our story, and and we think it is, uh, you know, we're in one of the best locations to make big nickel copper PGM discoveries. Uh, so exploration has been ongoing. I talk a little more about that in a minute. We've also been looking at our PEA, and the PEA that we came out with, as we talked about in the summer, was really to understand how much of our 31 million ton resource um, could be potentially mined. And so we use the lower cutoff grade um, to see how much of that could actually be mined. And we we're quite impressed by, by the, the tons and in, in the life of mine potential from our project. But it did not include any of the drilling that we did the last year. So we've been now updating our wireframes based on the approximately 19,000 meters of drilling that we did in uh, 2023 at Crane Hill. Um, and we will be updating that resource um, in the first half of this year. We've also started looking at, you know, mining plans at higher cutoff grades. And just to kind of reference the resource, the resource that we came out with had 14.5 million tons at 1.1% nickel equivalent cutoff. Uh, we use an NSR cutoff for our PEA, but it kind of equates to about a 0.78% nickel equivalent cutoff. So... You know, the, the 14 and a half million tons we have in our resource at over 2% nickel equivalent um, isn't really reflective of the PA. So we're looking at higher cutoff grades, lower tonnage, higher grade. And this really fits well into our, our plan to get into advanced exploration and, and sell ore to one of the existing mills here in Sudbury. So exploration is a big focus, optimizing our mine plan and looking at um, the new resource and how that could play into that. Um, that's really what we've been working on. So, okay. So, so again, for people who perhaps need this story, can you remind me with the with um, Shakespeare? You bolted on Crane Hill, um, which obviously made uh, the, the numbers look, you know, super impressive. But have, did the PEA kind of cover, you know, how you get at both of those projects, or if you get at both those projects? I mean, what was was the actual initial focus in in your mind about how this thing gets built out? Yeah. So the scope of the PEA in the base case was simply Crane Hill, life of mine processing through one of the existing mills here in Sudbury. Um, and in section 24, we had an alternative processing scenario. So just to, to test and to determine whether it was worthwhile to do another technical study to combine the two projects, uh, we just ran the numbers looking at if we were to truck ore to a future mill at Shakespeare, and use the same processing costs that we had in the feasibility study for Shakespeare in 2022, what would that look like? How would that change the economics of Crane Hill? And it did have a very positive impact, adding about 
an extra $280 million NPV. So that gave us some evidence that, yeah, it's worth exploring um, in a technical study how we could combine those two projects. So as I mentioned, right now what we're looking at doing in our focus over the, the next two years is to work on getting advanced exploration started, start shipping ore in, in our closure plan that we've amended, we filed, and we hope to have all completed and approved um, in the coming weeks, uh, outlines 400,000 tons that would be part of our advanced exploration. So that would be the initial start of, of mining and of testing some of these zones at Crane Hill. Um, and then we'll do a study to determine whether it's um, feasible to, to put the projects together into a future hub and spoke. But that's a little further down the road. Right. So, because really, so, you've got to manage your money. Like, uh, uh, yes, where are you? I'm not quite sure what you were. You were out of the right. So, yeah, under 70 million uh, market cap at, at the moment. Like I, say, I, don't, I don't think uh, Nickel got a, I, I got a fair hearing last year. And we'll probably, hopefully, if you don't mind, kind of get into it in a little bit. Maybe some of the causes um, for that bit. Sub sub hundred million dollar company trying to fund stuff like this is hard, and you've got to navigate the path forward with with the assets you've got available to you and the cash you're able to raise to do that. So, Crane Hill on it on its own, and I know when we talked, you talked about anything about being ten million tons would, would be good at fourteen good good news, but um, and high grade etc. How how do you maximize the chances of success in terms of getting that first project over the line and getting into some cash flow at, at the nearest possible opportunity? You're absolutely right, Matt. You have to manage your cash, and that is so critical in these markets. Uh, we were fortunate last January, <clears throat> just over a year ago, um, to raise $18 million. Um, and just in 2022, we raised $20 million to acquire Lawman. So we ended September 30th. Uh, with $15.5 million in the bank. Um, that's going to fund, you know, with the money we have this year, fully fund a 25,000-meter drill program. And we think that is the greatest catalyst or the greatest potential catalyst to, to drive our share price higher. But we do not need to raise any more money to continue the permitting and de-risking Crane Hill. Um, internally, we're doing, we have a team that can look at optimizing that advanced exploration with the updated drilling we have from 2023. So that's being done in-house, very low cost. Um, and basically, we want to have everything in place, ready to pull the trigger on advanced exploration later this year or potentially even next year if the markets stay tough. But we do not plan on going out and doing a big equity raise. And by big, I mean 20 or $30 million in these markets. That makes no sense. Now, we will look at other options to fund advanced exploration which could include government grants. And there are a number of grants out there that we're applying for, um, as well as potentially, um, you know, non-dilutive sources of financing, such as a potentially a gold or a cobalt stream, which is one of the byproducts um, that we have in our project. But we're going to focus on exploration, which is the cash we have, and we're going to spend approximately $8 million this year on exploration um, as we continue to de-risk and have the advanced exploration ready to go. And when the cost of capital is right, that's when we'll pull the trigger. Right. Okay. So I suppose this is the key as far as you're concerned, whether that be new discoveries or extending the the, the resource profile. Um, it is, I mean, it's, it's obviously super high grade um, for, for Nickel. Um, and I, I like, as you say, a bunch of byproducts in those. Was there, was there copper as well as the gold and cobalt? Yeah, there's it? a lot of copper in the project. Yeah. It's, it's almost yeah. one-to-one, slightly higher in Nickel. Is that right? Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. 
Um, so, you, but it does have this kind of, I guess, overlay perception, despite being high grade. And even if you do ore sourcing and um, in terms of, you know, obviously reducing the amount of ore you shove onto a truck, you need know, to get told. Um, people are looking at the size, not necessarily the the economics. So is, is it your intention, or it sounds like it's your intention, to demonstrate that it is capable of growing bigger and that the economics can get bigger because you need to before you can finance a, a CapEx raise at the point you need to? How, how, how do people so view it's, you? it's a big resource already. When you look at you know nickel sulfide type resources, we have 31 million tons right now. So if you look at you know, a production rate of 3,000 tons a day, which is a good size underground mine, um, you know, that's a million tons a year. So there's potential to have a, a very long life at a very good production rate, producing a significant amount of nickel and concentrate um, or nickel and ore that's being sold to, to a mill. So we, uh, you know, we definitely think there's, there's potential to grow. But Crane Hill, historically, you know, when it was operated by Inco, was a a tier one mine. It operated and produced over 20 million tons. Um, you know, a lot of those years it was producing in the range of 3,800 tons a day. Um, so, so large production. And we still have a lot of ore right at surface. And the type of capex we're talking is not enormous capex. You know, in the PEA with a large scale um, production and in the PEA, you know, it envisioned up to 4,000 tons a day, which is, you know, in the range of what it was historically. Um, you're only looking at $48 million of upfront capital for advanced X and in total another approximately uh, $81 million to get it into full commercial production. So when you look at those numbers and those numbers will change, but those are not a billion dollar CapEx. They're not, you know, a half a billion dollar CapEx. They are, you know, in line for a company our size, even today, which has come off a lot in this nickel market. Um, a very manageable type um, capex to for us to move forward. So we are not in a position where we think, you know, we need to double the resource or we need to make a new discovery for it to be, uh, you know, potentially economic deposit. We think we have what's needed. That being said, we are extremely excited about the exploration potential. And we put out a news release last week that that just sort of highlighted what we're working on. And we do think much like in the past when when many of our team worked at fnx we can make a football discovery that can be extremely highly valuable rock and really you know enhance the project even further right okay which is pretty brave right because you know given given the year you've had in 2023 and all nickel uh, companies have had in 2023 just drilling did not get rewarded it seems so can you be clear with me the economics um status now with the with the you know the, the tonnage that you've got now and if you could double that what does that how how do you imagine does that change you know the profile of, of the company going forward because what i'm trying to understand is 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 drilling the best use of capital and if it is tell me why so i do believe that true discovery will get rewarded even in these tough markets because it is rare um our team has made true discoveries before and, and added a tremendous amount of value to those companies in the past. So we do believe that it is a good use of capital and it is something that we think after our drilling program last year, we were able to understand not just our contact portion of the deposit, but our 101 and 109 foot wall zones. And these are very, very crucial to, to our long-term strategy of making discoveries. 
So understanding the structures that are controlling these uh, these different zones going out into the football, now we are able to drill the deep holes we need as geophysical platform holes in the right locations where we believe a discovery can be made. We've drilled those holes. Our interpretation was correct. Um, we've identified the right rock types, which are the Sudbury breaches. As we interpret it, where we interpret it, we've done the geophysics, we've had responses, and now we're in the process of, of testing those responses. That is exactly how, you know, in the past, Gord Morrison, Dave King, who, you know, Dave's our SVP and, and Gord's one of our senior advisors, and both of them were with the FNX exploration team that discovered the Lavac footwall, which became the flagship of FNX, um, the Podolsky 2000 deposit. The Victoria deposit was right now in Sudbury, KGHM is sinking a shaft on and going to be put into production. So we're using all that experience. So we think that, yes, exploration um, and discovery can be rewarded. And I think we're out to the right kind of target that the market will care about, even in this tough market. Right. Okay. And, and let's let's look at the kind of strategy to deliver that. Okay. Um, Crean Hill uh, focus, uh, Shakespeare could be bolted, bolted on um um, to that, and then a processing plant. If if all all of the above happens efficiently, economically, and all the rest of it. In the meantime, there's a kind of stepping stone approach to this, which is, and part of that is uh, the the tolling. So you've you've had some permission to obviously you know take some or uh, do some testing and do some bulk you know bulk 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 sales um, there. Well, well, tell me, in fact, update me. Tell me if where you're at with all of that right, in terms of trying to get the toll. Uh, agreement in place. To step back away from that just a little bit. So as part of what we need to actually start drilling, blasting and, and trucking ore off site, um, we need an amendment to our closure plan. And that Crane Hill already has a closure plan because it is a brownfield site. Um, technically, it's in a state of closure. We amended that for what we want to do, which is take a sample on surface, uh, drive a portal from surface, a new ramp down underground and start mining ore, as you said, 400,000 tons to get started. Um, and those amendments are been submitted, been reviewed. And again, we expect to have that filed and approved um, within weeks. Then we need a permit to take water, to dewater the mine. That was submitted last summer. Um, the water would be treated through an existing water treatment plant and discharged through an approved discharge point that Valley currently operates. So um, that permit was reviewed. In October, we got some comments back. We addressed those comments. So now we expect to have that, you know, before the end of Q2 to allow us to dewater. Now, the third component, so that's really all we need from a permitting perspective. It's very straightforward um, because it is a, a past producing site. The other thing we need is an ore selling agreement. So it's not actually toll milling, it's ore selling. And so that means we don't actually get the concentrate back. We sell the ore, it gets processed, and we get paid for the metal. And that is a, a great system um, because the way it works is the ore gets blended with existing ores. We have an equation that is basically based on the grades we send. This is what we get paid. And it is quite, you know, we haven't released it yet, but the test work has been quite good. Um, and we're really pleased with that. So those agreements are, you know, in the sort of final stages of definitive. Um, so we will hopefully announce that before the end of this quarter. And uh, and really, that's that's all we need is those three things to start um, advanced exploration, shipping ore, and receiving revenues. Right. And just on average, I appreciate you're going to come out by the end of the first quarter and talk about the specifics, but so just generally. So if I, if I, look, I look at the uranium space, 
if someone's tolling, I'm going to stick with the phrase tolling for now. Um, you know, the processing plant will take 50%, right? They may either buy the ore completely and, you know, they'll pick a price or roughly it's about 50%. For, for something like you're trying to do, what, what do you think the payables would be or could be uh, on average? So I'm not going to just say too much um, at this point yet, but what I can tell you is there is a, a lot of competition right now for third-party feeds in both of the mills. So Valet has a mill in Sudbury, the Clarabelle Mill. It's a large mill, 16,000 tons a day. Um, it is nowhere near capacity. Um, so they are very keen to, to take feed. As well, Glencore um, has their Strathcona mill, which is very similar process, both standard flotation, Sudbury ores, and it does have a lot of capacity as well. So with our agreement we have with Lawnman, we can sell our ore to any mill that that we want um now obviously you know we have a relationship with valet as this being a past producing mine um but it's a competitive process it is we will you know sell our ore where it makes the most sense so it does give us um, an advantage and there does there is an appetite for third-party ore so we feel like we got uh we will get a very good deal um it will be a deal that will make the mine i think uh viable long-term potentially so you know it could incentivize us to to postpone the construction of shakespeare if the economics from crane hill look good enough and and really you know does sudbury need a third mill probably not but you know we do have that option if we need to and it is something we will explore in future technical studies but right now um, our focus is to to move forward and to sell ore and uh, again, have a very low capex to get to a point where we could be cash flow. Right. Okay. And it's kind of interesting, kind of that deferring the kind of capex on a, on a on a processing plant of, of some description, um, as long as there's competitive tension in the district for for plants which are which are you know needing feed. Um, it does and if if you're looking, you've been in this game a long time. If you if you're looking at an operation like yours, is this something that just just runs. Would, is this remotely attractive to a Glencore, to a Valet, in terms of something that could top up their the, the current plants? What's, what's the exit, I guess, is what I'm like? Well, I think the exit is not necessarily a Valet or a Glencore. Um, you know, there's certain challenges that Valet and Glencore have. They have, you know, large structures uh, as far as the way they're, they're organized um, corporately and, and at their minds. They have a a workforce that is a very highly skilled workforce, very experienced, but they've also had many collective bargaining agreements with their unions. And, you know, and with that comes a lot of additional costs. Um, I think that the majors like Glencore and Valley here in Sudbury look at us as a, an option for certain deposits that maybe don't make sense to them um, to be processed where they end up with the metal units, which ultimately is what they both need. They need the metal units to fulfill contracts and, and for growth. Um, they don't necessarily need to, to mine the deposits. Now, what I think makes us very unique, and in the future, the reason why we will be acquired someday, we have a lot of growth to do before we consider that. But in the future is we do have the ability to build a mill at Shakespeare um, and produce our own concentrates where we would own currently 100% of that offtake. So if a mid-tier or another major wanted to have a footprint in a world-class mining camp like Sudbury, um, you know, Magna would be that, that stepping stone to get in where they could 
have currently what we have is, is over 50 million tons of, of indicated resource that could be processed through a future mill with a relatively low capex. Our feasibility study from 2022 estimated the Shakespeare capital cost at 233 million. So for a mature major, very low cost entry point to start producing nickel and copper concentrates. So I think that is a, a very key point um, and a reason why Magnum may be taken out in the future. Right, okay, and, if, and just looking back on you know, what you'd be shipping, um, or sorting, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I mean, is is that something else that you're looking at? Because um, I'm not, you know, I'd love you to kind of explain in terms of how your ore gets blended with other ores, and therefore perhaps they they would have a view on how much ore sorting. Because you you want to reduce the shocking costs, obviously, but at the same time, it may not suit the other parties' needs. Yeah, ore sorting is a really interesting technology and it is something that we're looking into and we've done some preliminary test work on and, and we see that especially our contact ores, our, our primary sulfide ores, make up over 80% of our, our current resource, um, would respond very well to ore sorting. And it is something that could help reduce trucking costs. It could help reduce also the, the milling costs, that processing cost. The more metal you're sending in every ton of ore, um, there's definitely a benefit to that. So it is something we're looking at right now because generally when we look at a, a higher cutoff grade, similar to what we had in our resource estimate, uh, so a 1.1% nickel equivalent type grades, um, you know, the it is high enough grade. You don't necessarily need to do that. Um, but I think what it does do is it allows us to continue to mine more mineralization, especially when there's adjacent stopes to what we would mine that are lower grade. Um, and it's almost opportunity ore that can be run through an ore sorter and, and you know, upgraded. And that could extend the mine life. But, you know, currently we're just doing those studies. It's not something that we need, but it is an interesting technology. Right. Okay. Because the ore sorters themselves aren't exactly, well, not too expensive, are they? Um, so yeah, there's, there's one mine in that Sudbury that's using ore sorting um, right now. And uh, and we've looked at it. We've toured the site. We've we have a pretty good understanding of the operating costs and yeah, the capital costs are huge. So it is a nice, a nice potential bolt on um, once we get up and running. Okay, fine. Um, right. Let's go. Back, let's go back to share price. Twenty twenty three nickel. I think the the, the 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 general consensus from retail looking in, and so therefore it must be true, is that Indonesia is going to supply all the nickel that we need. And uh, what's the point of even trying out here in the West? How do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah, it is a uh, it's interesting times for nickel and and how quickly things can change, and you know it's a uh, you see all kinds of headlines right now about how much nickel will be produced in in Indonesia and and what that's going to mean and it is reminiscent of of other times in the nickel market. I've been in this business and really living in Sudbury, um, working most of my career in the nickel business. I remember back in in two thousand and one, I was working at Inco at the time. And nickel got down to a buck seventy six, and I remember having a meeting at the mine where we were telling uh, workers that, you know, if nickel hits a buck sixty, we're laying off, and you know, and, and everyone thought it was going to a buck fifty, you know, bad times, and then it rebounded quickly, and it was over, you know, two fifty in no time. Two thousand and eight, you know, after the financial crisis, you know, nickel dropped down below four bucks, and. You know, doom and gloom. Um, it was the end of the world. Equity prices went along, you know, to the tanks too. And and then in 2009, you know, a huge rebound, which was great. But more recently, 
back in 2017, uh, I remember going out to, you know, look at nickel projects and, and that's when we acquired, Magnum acquired the Shakespeare project was in February of 2017 when nickel was right around $4 again. And we went out, we bought Ursa Major, acquired Shakespeare at that time when everyone was, you know, turned off by nickel. And I remember going out and marketing after we closed that deal. We owned the asset. It had permits for a 4,500 ton per day open pit mine mill and tailing source facility, had a historic resource, you know, had a lot of good technical work done and de-risking. In Sudbury, we were raising money at a million dollar valuation, <laughs> you know, at next to nothing. And I remember people telling me nickel will never go ever above $5. There's too much nickel coming out of Indonesia. And it will always flood the market. It will never go above $5. Um, to me, that was a sign that we were onto something here. And that's why we could acquire Shakespeare at that time, right? And you wouldn't acquire it even now. So I think we're sort of in one of those low periods right now. There seems to be some support for nickel at around $7. We're starting to hear news of, you know, mines in Australia that are, that are going to go on to care and maintenance, some of the higher cost operations. But there are so many macro forces at work. And and I'm not going to claim to understand how they all interact together and predict, you know, exactly what's going to happen. But just yesterday, I was reading that, you know, Nornickel um, is, is giving out new guidance, and they're going to reduce their their forecast of nickel in, in 2024 by 10 to 12%. Um, last year, they were 5% lower, you know, they're one of the major nickel producers, especially from sulfide nickel. So there's a lot of factors at work. I think people are overly negative right now. Um, and just like they were in 2017, you know, this could be, this could be a bottom. Now is it going to last for six months, nine months, 12 months? I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is nickel will be at over $10 again. And, uh, you know, and I think the good companies are going to be strong coming out of that. Well, okay. And okay. Well, maybe I won't get too, too much into that, into the macro there, but you, you, you're now sitting as a kind of meaningfully, with a meaningfully large institutional component to your your share register for a small company. That's that's pretty impressive. I mean, can I just be clear about the how you term institutional versus retail? How, how much they need to deploy, or how do you define them? Yeah, so institutional is really you know funds, and and we have some major funds on our registry. Um, some of the big mining funds that. You know, I think we're, we're quite fortunate that they look at our company to do their due diligence and they see a real company with a real business plan. Um, so, yeah, the ones we have in there now, of course, the, in our in institutional investors is, includes Dundee Corp, which owns, you know, just over 20% and, and led by uh, Jonathan Goodman, who is on our board. Um, but we also have some other big, big funds in there and some of the typical ones that you would... Uh, you know, you'd expect to see in a mining name. Right. And the, but they continue to hold through this kind of difficult period. There was no sort of offloading. They understand the thesis for nickel. I mean, nickel, we need to be clear with, again, for people new to this, nickel is, you know, 90% of it goes into the stainless steel market. So it's not all about electric cars and, and, and uh, future productions for electric cars. Even, mind you, even so, I think they were up 43% um, across last year. So I, I don't think um, even the electric vehicle story of their demise is, it's, is uh, unfortunately not quite true, but nickel markets for us, your institutional shareholders is some an area that they want to be in and they want to continue to be in. Absolutely, and and we you know try to reach out regularly to our our big institutional investors and keep them updated on what we're doing. And 
you know, what the feedback we've been hearing is, you know, they believe in what we're doing. They understand they're supportive. And we're starting to hear where, you know, there's interest at these levels to, to put more money, to deploy more money, you know, when and where available. So we do think that it is, uh, you know, it's still a commodity that at least the institutional investors that have invested in us are looking at. And I think that, uh, you know, they have sort of seen interest in value at these levels again, um, despite sort of the sentiment. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, look, um, Jason, Lee, good, good, good to catch up. Nice to see the project advancing. Nice to say, you know, you're, you're good for cash for this year to kind of focus on what you think is important, which is the exploration uh, component here. Uh, we look forward to hearing updates on, on the rest of it as well. So stay in touch, okay? Absolutely, Matt. It's great talking to you.